Okay, this is a phenomenal weekend, isn't it? It's great. Hey, come on, God is moving. Great things are happening. You know, it's, it's wonderful. You know, who, who watched Richmond got up yesterday? Everyone's like, what is that? It is AFL. You know, it's, um, it's ballerina football. Um, and then tonight we have what? The grand final. Come on, we have the Cowboys versus the Storm. And I, I tell you what, this is a hard one to pick. Do I go for the Storm or do I go for the Cowboys? Like, it, like I, I'm trying to work out which one do I go for because I love Melbourne, but I also love Queensland. And I just thank God that New South Wales is nowhere to be seen. Uh, we've already won. So you can just uh, put up on Instagram, we've already won. New South Wales isn't even around. So, so it's like, uh, that's the way life should be lived. If you're from New South Wales, we feel sorry for you. We'll pray for your redemption later and that God will move over your life. And uh, the, um, I don't know, we'll, we'll look after you. It's okay. So, which is awesome. Well, we've got some great things. Well, um, this morning uh, we're moving into, it's October. Can you believe it's October? It's the 1st of October. Turn to the person next year, pinch a punch for the first day of the month. Uh, when you see my kids, make sure you do it to them. Uh, I, I want to make sure they at least get it done 50 times before they leave home today, to, for home today. Uh, but the first day of the month, it's awesome. So we're moving into our, our new season and we've called this Love Actually. Love actually, and we're moving into love actually, and we're going to be talking about relationships, we're going to be talking about love. What? Actually. Love actually. Love is not love, but we call about love actually. God is love. Who knows that? God is love. And so this morning we're going to be talking about uh, love actually. And so over the past, and, and this morning's preacher, I've been wanting to talk about this for probably oh, four or five weeks now, this scripture. And I've been trying to get to it, and this morning I got to it. This morning we're going to get here. And so it's been something that's been resonating me just... And so I pray that this is the first time I've ever spoken this message, so I pray that it comes with clarity. I pray that it moves hearts. I pray that you find revelation in this message this morning. And so over the the past couple of weeks, I've been talking out of Luke chapter 15. And so we were talking out of Luke chapter 15, and in Luke chapter 15, you find Jesus sitting with sinners. Oh, no. Was he? Yeah, isn't it funny that you, sometimes you find Jesus in the most unlikely places? You find him in the temple, and then you find him dining and celebrating with sinners. And so you find him in this place, and in Luke chapter 15, we see the start of this, where he is dining with sinners, and the Pharisees are grumbling under their breath. They're like, Who is this man? What is he doing? Does he know that he is sitting with unclean people? You know, they're they're having this little grumble and and Jesus hears this grumble. He he knows what they're thinking. And I love Jesus, how he always always addressed the Pharisee. Do you realize that? If you read through the scriptures, he always addresses the Pharisee, but he always addresses the sinner. He addresses both. And he shows love towards both. And so he's there, he's sitting there, and then he goes into these parables in Luke chapter 15. The first parable is the parable of the lost sheep, which I spoke a few weeks ago. The second parable, which I spoke in the night, was about the lost coin. But as we start to read through it, it comes to this next parable. And what you've got to realize is that these parables, 
You know, they convey God's love for humanity. Do you realize that? These parables are about conveying God's love for humanity. And we come to this last parable that he speaks when he's sitting down with the sinners and the Pharisees are there. And this last parable, which is known as the prodigal son. Some call it the loving father. Others call it the lost son. And it is a phenomenal parable. And so this morning, I would like us to hear from the very audible Word of God. Thank you. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let's eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his oldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who, was de- who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. 
How was that? Seamus. I reckon we need keys next time. <laughs> I, I love the story of the prodigal son. And like I said, I, I've never really preached from it before or really um, shared some thoughts from this great story. Um, if you start to look at this story, it is about a father and it is about two sons, two brothers. And it's interesting enough that most people, when they preach out of this text, is that they, they always preach about the prodigal son. They always look at the prodigal son. You know, the, the first son, if you have a look, was a son that really had a spirit of entitlement around their life. Yeah. You know, he, he asked for his inheritance, and then he went out and lived on, in prodigal living, or a wasteful life. You know, when it comes to entitlement, there's a certain attitude towards it. You know, you look at this young man, he, he comes to the father and he says, you know what, give me what is mine. Do you realize the father is not dead? Yeah. You get your inheritance, what, when your parents die. Do you realize that? Yeah. And so if you look at today, is that there are adverts out today, it's like saying to the, you know, 60 plus, spend it all, don't leave any inheritance at all. You know, the dad had the right to spend whatever he wanted, to have whatever he wanted. But yet this son comes up to him and says, you know, you know while you're still up, you know, I, I want your stuff, but I don't want you. Right. That's what entitlement is saying. Yeah. How would you feel if, if your son or your daughter came to you and said, hey, listen, you know, you know later on when you die, you're actually going to leave something to me, but how about you just give it to me now so I can enjoy it and you can watch me? But then a few weeks later, the young guy, he's like, you know what, Dad, uh, you know, I, I, thanks for giving me the stuff, now I'm going to go. How much would it hurt? How much pain does it give someone? You know, the spirit of entitlement, entitlement is really selfish to the core. Do you realize that? So here we have a son that is really just selfish to the core. It's about him and himself. You know, entitlement is the belief that you deserve or you're deserving of all privileges and special treatment. Sometimes does that sound like a generation that we live in today? Yeah. It sounds similar to the generation that we live in today. You know, and having a sense of entitlement often harms the people around us, which indirectly harms us long term. Do you realize that? Right. Having that spirit actually harms us and harms those we love without even realizing it. You know, I, I look at it, and, and I've got kids. And as kids are growing up, we have to teach them the ways of God. Do you realize that? Parenting 101. I have to have a relationship with my kids. Why? Because I want them to grow up in the ways of God. I have to be present in every moment. But sometimes, you know, in... in, in Guiding your young ones to where God wants them or guiding your young ones to live a life that is going to be a benefit to society, that is going to contribute to society, that we actually have to teach them how to share. Wow. We have to teach them how to share. 
And, and who knows that sometimes when they have friends come over, or because I've got four kids, they actually don't need friends, you know, but, but, but as they're trying, you know, their little brother wants something, but all of a sudden, no, it's mine, I'm entitled to this, no, you can't have it. And all of a sudden, when, a, when something fights, when they don't get their own way, they have a tantrum. Who's got kids that have tantrums? My kids have only ever had one tantrum, and one was enough because the wrath of God, uh, Dad came down. But I remember that moment, like, you know, they fall on the ground, they arch their back, they start getting, no, oh, their face goes red. You know, as a little kid, some people go, oh, that's cute. It's not cute. You need to deal with it straight away. Nip it in the butt. Deal with it straight away. But, you know, like, as a kid, you can get away with that. But as an adult, it's ugly. As a young adult, it's unacceptable. But yes, sometimes that spirit of entire that that tantrum gets around, and then it's just it breaks relationship. And here we have this younger brother saying, "Hey, I don't want I want this," and he hesitates and he takes it. Entitlement is established by the belief that we are the center of the universe, and the universe, if it doesn't meet our needs or our desires, all hell will break loose. Who knows someone like, who's sitting next to someone like that? No one. Husband and wives, it's great. The marriages are perfect in this place. The union is fantastic. The communication skills, she just gets what she wants and that's okay. We know how it works. But that's the spirit of entitlement. You know, you can only live on entitlement for so long. Do you realize that? As you start to read through this scripture of prodigal living of this young son, it came to a certain point where his entitlement ran out. Where it just stopped. And then all of a sudden you find him in a place where he has nothing. He has no friends. He has no, no future, no destiny. And what he does is he goes and he connects himself with what? A countryman of that day. In a citizen of that country. You know, we are born for the kingdom of heaven. We are born for kingdom purposes and we are not called to attach ourselves to citizens of earth. Do you realize that? We are not called to attach ourselves to citizens of this world. And, And this is what I find is that when you start to read through is that when he attaches himself to that, he never has enough. Why? Because our God is more than enough. And so he never has enough. And there he is wishing for more. He knows that there is more. He's experienced more. But he's rejected the more. And as he is there, his desire starts to grow. He starts to say, you know what, maybe if I just go back to my father. You know, my father's servants have bread and more than enough so that they can share for those around us. But he's in this world. He's connected himself to the world and he's crying out. That's what sin will do to you. And so we find this guy at this moment joined, never enough. When you join yourself to the things of this world, you will always live in lack. You will always live in lack. And you will always fall short of the purposes that God has for your life. The younger son, 
had the spirit of entitlement. One of my favorite quotes is a a people that values its privileges over its principles soon lose both. Soon lose both. We need to remember the principles that got us to where we are today. We need to remember the foundations that God has given us. And this is what I find funny is that when things are going well in people's lives, they fall away from God. They forget the foundations. They, They forget who gave them what they had. Why? Because the need and desperation to push into God has gone because they're living in their privileges. You know, I, I believe this is when life is going successful, when God is blessing you abundantly, is the time that we need to push more into God. Right. We need to push more into God so that we can be a blessing for those around us. And, and I, I, I see this picture of Jesus. He's sitting at the table. He has the sinners and he has the Pharisees. And, and I believe the Pharisees were like, yay, this is a great scripture. You know what? You're, you're really telling these sinners where they're at. That they're, they're dining with harlots, but really they should be connected back to God. And they're like, yay, yay, yay. And then he goes through and he talks about, you know, connecting back to God. But then also if you read the last part of this passage, he actually addresses the Pharisees. He, he comes to the older brother. You know, and here we have the older brother hearing that his brothers return, but instead of embracing and rejoicing with the father, looks and condemns the younger man's actions. How would you feel? Jesus is basically saying, hey, come and repent. And because of their self-righteousness, they're going, yay! Then all of a sudden he goes, okay. Now for you guys over there that are cheering, that are so self-righteous, that are judgmental, let me just speak to you for a minute. Let let, let me just talk. You know, the spirit of self-righteousness. You know, self-righteous individuals are often intolerant of others' opinions and behaviours of others. That's what self-righteousness is. It's saying, hey, listen, we're better than you. It's actually really opposite to the way God works. God just doesn't call us to judge. He calls us to love, to actually love those that are different, to actually love and and see them come to a restoration with the Heavenly Father. And and so I look at this and and I find that you've got... Jesus talks about the older brother, and the older brother knows where his younger brother is. Do you realize in that day, it's really the job of the younger brother to go out and the older brother to go out and find the younger brother and bring him back to a relationship with the father? Wow. In that day, that was the culture concept context of that. And I believe it's the same within our own families right now. Is that it's our job to go out and bring the younger brother back into a relationship with God. You know, the younger brother has brought disgrace upon the family name. But the older brother is like, he's been faithful, he's been working, he's been, you know what, this, this is all mine. And all of a sudden the younger brother has come back. The father has embraced him, but he is like, you know what, I'm not even going to be part of that party. I'm not even going to be happy for him. Why? Because he's been out there and I've been doing all the hard work. I've been living a moral life. 
I have not brought disgrace upon the family name. So why would you kill the fatted calf for him? Have you ever been in a situation where you've been in that place? Where maybe it's at work, you're the faithful one, you're showing up early, you're doing everything, and then all of a sudden someone comes in and takes your job promotion. How do you feel? How the internal attitudes? Here we have the younger brother. You know, he is great. He's doing everything right, but yet on the inside, not quite. Not quite. You know, you deserve that promotion, do you? You deserve, maybe. Uh, uh, Growing up in a family of four kids, I know that feeling. My younger siblings deserve nothing. But they got everything, especially the young one. I'm like, you didn't do that for me, Dad. Like, you didn't give... Like, I want to tell you right now, I hope my dad is listening. For my 21st birthday, for my 21st birthday, I got a carjack. I got a carjack. I hope you're listening, Dad. I think my brother got the keys to the Orange Golf. Actually, I think I got the better deal. 1972 Orange Golf. Maybe that's why he couldn't get a girlfriend for so long. But sometimes, you know, we fall into this thing and we're like, you know, they, God, what is going on? Why do they get, why do, like, they've only been a Christian for two seconds and, and, and the, you know, the glory of heaven is falling out over them and, and you're meeting all their needs and they're doing it. And I've been a Christian for like 20 years. Anyone ever been like that? Why did they receive the miracle? Why am I still wearing glasses? (laughs) We do have those questions. Yeah, the brother had every right to be disappointed. You know, the oldest son illustrates the Pharisees and the scribes. Outwardly, they live blameless lives, but inwardly, their attitudes were abominable. Their attitudes were abominable. If you look at Matthew 23, 25, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside they remain full of self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. It's not just about doing good works. It's not just about doing good works. You know, what we do does matter. What we do matters. But our good works do not make us acceptable to God. Do you realize that? What we do does matter. But it doesn't make us acceptable to God. It's our 
inward man. 1 John 1.8 If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And the truth is not in us. I am not righteous because I do everything right. You know what? No one is perfect. None of us do everything right. Do you realize that? None of us do everything right. We are only made right with Him by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. I believe this, is that the issue with the spirit of entitlement and self-righteousness, it robs us of the relate, our relationships and also robs us of our future. Do you realize that? It, it robs us. It, it, it robs us of our relationship, our relationship with God and a relationship with those around us. But also, too, it robs us of our future, the future that God has called us to live in, of who he's called us to be. You know, Paul writes and says this, he says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you realize that? You are the righteousness of God in Christ because of him. We cannot make ourselves righteous. He makes us righteous. When we put on our faith in Christ, we can rest in knowing that everything is all right. You know, we have the two brothers. We have a brother that has the spirit of entitlement. The older brother that has the spirit of self-righteousness. But then I I love the family within this, is that you have the heart of the father. You have the father that is here. You know, his response at every turn is one of grace and mercy. His response is, well, you know what? Uh, It's probably not the best that I I, I give you everything, son, but, you know, I, I want it now. He's like, well, okay. The other son is happy to stay and happy to work. and He's like, okay. But you find that he has a spirit of grace and mercy around his life. You know, no matter where the sons were, what the sons were doing, he always wanted relationship with both. Do you realize that? Yeah. I get this picture of a father sitting on the veranda. Maybe he's in his rocking chair. Maybe he's got a pipe. He's just waiting for that sun to come down the road. Yeah. You know, I know when I go and visit my parents, they are over the moon. Because I might visit them once every three years. <laughs> They're cheering. I get everything. I get a roast. I, I get everything put on. I get pavlova. <laughs> yeah, now you're all paying attention. But you know, when the, when the lost son comes home... Or when, you know, I believe he was just waiting. He's waiting for the day. He knows that day is coming. He knows that day is coming. He, he knows. And when the son comes home, he sees him running. He sees him coming down. And the, and the son is thinking to himself, he's like, you know what? I, I'm not even worthy to be called a son. I, I'm not even worthy to be in this house. I'm not even be worthy to sleep under his roof. But you know what? If I can just be his servant. 
Maybe if I could just, maybe if he accepts me just as a servant, but the father sees him coming down the road. He gets up and he runs down and he embraces the son. He kisses the son's neck. He hugs the son. He says to the servant, hey, go and get, you know, go and get a robe. Bring a robe. And he gives him a ring so that the ring of authority within the house, he says, put sandals on his feet. Come in and let's kill the fatted calf. Let's rejoice. The son is here. You know what? God has the same response for everyone that comes to him. Of grace and mercy, there's compassion around his life. If you read through the scriptures, you see that Jesus, whenever he saw the multitude, what he had compassion on them. And through compassion came healing, came miracle, came salvation. He embraced this son. But then all of a sudden, the party is going on. The other son is out the back. Here's what's going on. And he says to the servant, you know, what's going on? And he's like, well, I'm not going in. No way am I going in to join that party. He should not even be in this house. Who are we to say who should be in this house or not? Whoa. Who are we to say who should be in this house or not? And he's like, hey, I'm not even going there. Right at that moment, he brings disgrace upon his father. All his life, he has honoured his brother. All his life, he's been the upstanding brother. He's looked after his father. He's loved his father. And in that moment of judgment, he brings disgrace. And the father runs out and pleads with him and says, you know what, your brother was lost. Come on, how how about you find forgiveness in your heart? How about you just come back into, come back and embrace your brother. Come back and and bring that that love. Find compassion in your heart. You know what, he was afar off, but now he is found. He was dead, but now he is alive. And the father is there, pleading with the older brother. You know, Ephesians 5.1, verse 4, talks about how we should be. The scripture says this, watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not courteous, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. And the next one is, don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, and bullying greed. Those some tongues just love to taste of gossip, Those who follow Jesus have better use for their language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. Thanksgiving is our dialect. But if you read that first bit, it says, watch what the Father does. Jesus is sitting there and he is saying to the Pharisees, he's saying to the sinners, you know what, this is what the Father does. Learn from the Father. 
how we are to love actually. How we are to love actually. How we are to love those that come in our doors. 1 Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. Be courteous. Today, my question is this, is what do you need to learn from the Father? What do you need to learn from the Father? I believe we're all at different stages. But I believe this within our life is that we always need to learn from the Father. And I know within my own life is that I need to take check. I need to look again and say, God, how do you see those? How do you see those ones outside in the world? How do you see the brother coming back to Christ? How do you see, God, what are those things that I need to adjust in my life so that I have, so that I have a spirit of compassion? So that grace and mercy rule within my heart. Because if we leave one of those two things in our heart, either entitlement or self-righteousness, it renders us ineffective to see what God will do around our life and through our life. Why? Because God has called us to be His representative here on earth. God has called us to be the ones that run out and wrap our arms around the sinner. God has called us to go and plead with those that maybe hold themselves at high regard to say, hey, listen, you know what? Come and join us. Come and love these. We are called to live with compassion around our life for those that are lost, those that are hurting. Love actually. Love actually. Matthew 18, verse 11. For God so... For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. His heart has always been to connect humanity back to the Father. Our heart should be that heart. You know, you you might, might not be worthy, but God says you're worth it. Do you realize that? You might not think you're worthy, but God says you're worth it. You're worth killing the fatted cow for. You're worth it. the father was saying to the prodigal son you're worth it you're worth everything that I have but we've got to realize this is when the prodigal son came back the father had already divided everything between the two sons so the father actually was giving away the older brother's stuff you know we have everything in Christ 
As soon as we make a decision to find Christ, we inherit heaven itself. Heaven is ours. But if we don't give it away, He will. If we don't give it away, He will. And I'll tell you what, I want to be the one that gives it away. Why? Because I want to be the one partying. I want to be the one rejoicing. I don't want to be the one that's bitter. I don't want to be the one that is just sitting in the corner, that is judging, that has just got a sour face, not enjoying life. Like God has called us to enjoy life and enjoy life abundantly. And the way that we enjoy life is when we give life away. We give life away. You know, you don't earn your way into heaven. None of us have earned our way into heaven. It has always been a free gift. But it comes down to a decision that we make. You know, the gospel of grace is this. It, it transcends culture. It transcends generation. It's generational. You know, the gospel is actually the fairest system imaginable. It is fairer than fair. Do you realize that? Why? Because everyone is invited. Everybody gets in the same way. And everybody can meet the requirements. Everybody can meet the requirements. You know, this morning you might be here and you might have a relationship with God. Or once upon a time you had a relationship with God and, and it's fallen away and you don't have that intimacy. He wants that intimacy. He wants that intimacy. He wants you to connect with Him. He's waiting for you to come back. Your your lifestyle might match up, but He's saying, you know what, that's fine. Accept me as your Lord and Saviour. Accept Jesus that He died on the cross. And I'll do the rest. Believe in me. And I'll make you righteous. As I said, it's the fairest thing. Because anyone can get in. Think about it. Jesus dying on the cross. He has two thieves on either side. Jesus is dying for a crime that he didn't commit. Well, really, it was the crime of loving humanity. Is saying, hey, listen, I will take on the sins of the world so that everyone can have a relationship with God. Everyone that believes upon me. And then he's got two sinners on either side. He's got two criminals. and and, And these criminals, they deserved their punishment. One criminal says to him, you know what? Be quiet. This man deserves nothing. And he says to Jesus, hey, remember me. And what was Jesus' response? Today you'll be walking with me in paradise. From our eyes, is that fair? He lived his life as a heathen, as a sinner. But in the last moment, an invitation was made. A revelation came. And he stepped into eternity with God. That's the gospel message. That's what love actually is. 
That's what love actually is. The kingdom of heaven isn't reserved for good people. Let me tell you that. It's reserved for forgiven people. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. It's reserved for forgiven people. And when Jesus ever engaged anyone within the scriptures, I find that he always addressed the sinner. He always addressed the Pharisee. But as the sinner came closer to him, he'd always say, go and sin no more. Your sins have been forgiven. The invitation was always left up to us and our response. And today, that same invitation is for all of us in this room. For all of us in this room, God's grace abounds much. He wants to embrace. He wants to kiss you. He wants to love upon you. He wants to draw you closer. He wants to bring you in. He wants to make sure that this is the family of God. Where the younger brother, the older brother, the father fellowship together. Where it's the younger sister, the older sister, the family come together and rejoice. Today, where do you stand? Where do you stand? Are you a good person or are you a forgiven person? If you love just to bow your heads, close your eyes, I want to give an invitation. The kingdom of heaven isn't reserved for good people. It's reserved for forgiven people. And I want to tell you today is that no matter what you've done, He forgives you. No matter where you've been, He still loves you. No matter what you've been up to, He still adores you. And today, I I want to pray for anyone here. For anyone here that is like, maybe I've walked away from God. Maybe I am like the prodigal son. But but today, I would love to include you in this prayer. Or maybe for some of us, we've been in church for years. And we've let that that spirit of almost self-righteousness get around our life. Where we look across and we're like, you know what? Church is only for certain people. I'll tell you, church is for everyone. Church is for everyone. When you walk out into that world, church isn't for church people, church is for everyone. We need to change the mindset. But today, if you would like to be included in a prayer, a connection back to the Heavenly Father, I would love to pray for you. While no one is looking, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'd love just for you to raise your hand, just so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Does anyone else want to join these two gentlemen? Thank you. Over to the side. Anyone else? Just quickly. You may have been coming to church for years, and that's fine. You may be away from God. You may not know God. That's fine, but I'd love to include you in this prayer. Why? Because it's for forgiven people. Lord God, I thank you that you've forgiven us. Lord, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that we can have right standing with you. 
And Lord God, as you come into our lives, Lord, you come and you say, our sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Lord God, today I pray that anything that separates us from you, which is sin, will fall off our life, that we will have no desire in our heart for that. But God, the only desire that we'll have is your desire, is that you will become the center of our universe, is that you will become the desire that we have most, that your purposes will become our purposes. Why? Because we have been forgiven and set free. Why? Because you are love actually. Your being is love. Your desire is love. To connect humanity back to you, Father. We just pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand. Well,